Hey y'all, this is Will Kerwright and this is Jackson Roberts and we're going to be doing a podcast called Hail Marys and Hollywood. You got it. <laughs> we're so excited about this. We've been looking forward to this one for a while. It is after the Super Bowl and typically we'd be discussing a lot about the in-game segments. But right now we're going to be discussing the Super Bowl and our takes on it. And we're also going to be discussing a little bit about what we expect in the draft, what are some teams to watch out for next year, some way too early kind of predictions. Predictions, absolutely. And we're pretty excited about that. Absolutely. Uh, Will, let's focus on the Super Bowl at the moment. We of course. Just, you know, you're a Chiefs fan, just to kind of introduce us a little bit. Will is the Chiefs fan. I am, you know what, I don't have a team. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a free man, I'm a free man, freedom. Um. But, Will, let's start with you. Have you recovered yet? You know, I've totally recovered. You know, here's the reality I, I think that I've come to terms with. And I think we all subconsciously realize this throughout the season. But Tom Brady was the perfect addition to an already extremely talented team that just needed someone that wouldn't throw 30 interceptions a year. And... They had Leonard Fournette, who blew up in the playoffs. They already had Ronald Jones. And then they had Mike Evans, one of the top five best receivers in the league. Rob Gronkowski being added on from free agency where he was just drinking beer and banging his really hot supermodel girlfriend. And and then he became a top five tight end in the league once again. Dude, it, it's, it, was, it was a fun run to see that happen. And I think that the Chiefs are, were a wicked, talented team that just got hurt at a horrible time. And I think the better team won that day. Okay. Nature of the Super Bowl. <laughs> I feel like we've got to, have to bleep some of this out already. Wow, what are you on already, Will? Jeez. Okay, <laughs> Apologies um, from the nerd here in the back on the stats. Um, I agree. I mean, Tampa Bay, I was actually on Tampa Bay in 2019, and it just didn't work out for me. Um, and then... When they got Brady, I you know I didn't want to go right back to him just because that would just be a bandwagon. Everyone's back to him. I mean, I picked him to go to the playoffs, but I didn't see him going this far. But you have to look at their roster outside of Brady, and honestly, outside of their just skill position players. Uh, my biggest takeaway from the Super Bowl is is a guy named Jason Light. Do you know Jason Light? Fill me in, brother. Okay, Jason Light is the general manager for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, you will know some general managers in the NFL, but this guy, I believe, is the most underrated general manager in the NFL. I mean, look what he's done. He's brought in Tom Brady. He brought in all these AFC guys. I mean, Antonio Brown, he got, I mean, he turned that guy's complete career around. I thought he was, I would never see him in a jersey again. He caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He brought in Gronk. He got that from um, from the Patriots. He he brought in Fournette after you know everybody was starting to give up on on that washed uh, running back at LSU, and, and all these guys you know Gronk, Brown, Fournette they all participated in massive ways in the Super Bowl. But even after, even besides that, I don't I, I still think he's the most underrated general manager in the NFL, and here's why. I was looking through this the other day. I'm looking at their last three years um, of drafting. So we're going to go through the first three rounds of the last three years 
of their NFL draft, and I want to see how many hits they have. Okay, we're in 2018. They've got the 12th pick, and they take Vita Vea. Solid defensive tackle. Everybody knows that name, Vita Vea. Ronald Jones in the second round. You know, Ronald Jones, I would say, is probably one of the more miss hits of the last three years for their, their, their team, but he was a contributor in the Super Bowl. Again, a solid running back. Had a great beginning of the year. And then MJ Stewart, also in the second round. I would say that's a bust. Okay, let's go to 2019. Devin White. I think we all know Devin White has been a significant player for the Buccaneers. I mean, he's an all-pro and probably the fastest linebacker in the NFL. Hit. Second round pick, Sean Murphy Bunting. Another hit. I mean, he came up with a massive play there in the, in the, in the Super Bowl. And then Jamel Dean, third round. We won't really know that name very much. We'll call that a bust. So we already have at least two hits per round. Okay, 2020 pick. And this, this, is, this is unbelievable. The most underrated rookie of the NFL this year is Tristan Wirfs. Overall, number 13 in the, in the draft. He has to be a top five offensive tackle in football right now. Tristan Wirfs is an absolute superstar. And the only reason that people have no idea who the heck this guy is is because of the fact that he plays offensive line, which is exactly how he'd like that to be. Because ideally, if, you, if, you're, if you're getting your name called a lot as an offensive lineman, it's typically not for good things. And Tristan Wirfs is phenomenal. We knew coming out he'd be a stud. He was the classic Kirk Ferentz guy out of Iowa. And there was people already saying that he was going to be a perennial pro bowler, potential Hall of Famer down the line. And so far, he's been everything as advertised. You want me to give you a couple stats here for you? He has, he has 799 blocks, pass blocking snaps, and only allowed one sack. I mean... I would say that's a Brady guy for you right there. I'm sure, I'm sure Brady has a new friend there on the offensive line of Tristan Wirfs. I mean, I, there was a lot of great – I mean, have you seen this? There's this video online. I look it up. Tristan Wirfs jumping out of a swimming pool. I mean, this guy's extremely athletic. Um, and, and at offensive tackle uh, for, you know, any position there. Um, okay, let's just finish the 2020 draft. Antonio Winfield, Jr. Oh, my God. Goodness, what a what a stop there on Tyreek Hill at the end of the game. He's a phenomenal player. We definitely thought that was going to be a potential stud for the Buccaneers. He he had the NFL lineage, lineage. One of the craziest things is that his father was literally playing in the NFL and being a pro bowler when Tom Brady was starting his play. I mean, if that tells you anything, which is just absolutely nuts. Antoine is a phenomenal player. And look, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't love the touch of the deuces on Tyreek Hill. But what goes around comes around. And when you try to throw that up every single play when you're going for 200 receiving yards in a regular season matchup that really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, what goes around comes around. Absolutely. And then finally, to rest my case, they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round, who, you know, really didn't perform the production that they might have been looking for. But remember, he's behind Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Um, out of Vanderbilt, Keyshawn Vaughn, Just I'm just telling you, sleeper pick in fantasy football next year. Absolute stut in one of the worst schools in the SEC. I mean, that is coming from a Mizzou fan. So, yeah, that's my case. Jason Light, <laughs> needs, to, Jason Light needs to be a name that you remember. He, you know, general general managers. I have always said, 
are more important than head coaches. It's, it's kind of a hot take, but they're really what puts the team together. They're, and talent is way more important, important than coaching. So Jason Light, keep that name in, in your back, back of your head because I think you're going to hear more, more great things from this guy. One of the craziest things about Keyshawn Vaughn is it absolutely no, no idea, and people have absolutely no idea who the heck this guy is, but he was one of the best running backs in football for about two years. 2018 and 2019, he had 1,200 yards on the Vanderbilt Commodores. The Vanderbilt Commodores. I mean, like, holy cow. There is, that is one of the worst offensive lines in college football, one of the worst quarterbacks in college football. Still made it happen. Had 12 touchdowns. The year after, he follows it up with 1,028 yards, nine touchdowns. He went off versus Mizzou. We nearly lost that game to him. It's pretty unbelievable. I mean, he is a great player, and I really wanted to see him succeed. And I think he's been phenomenal so far as a role player for, for Tom Brady in the Buccaneers offense. It'll be interesting to see. Frankly, if I'm being honest here, I think Bruce Arians, let's just be totally real. We can read in between the lines a little bit. Bruce Arians was not calling the shots. Tom Brady was. This was Tom Brady's team. As early as week five, we have him blowing up on his offensive linemen when they were not protecting him and having really bad um, offensive holding calls versus the freaking Chicago Bears. I mean, what more do you need to say? I know they made the playoffs, but they still suck. Anyway, Bruce Arians, all right, he could talk smack all he wants on the Chiefs and how about the run it back as, he, as he's pounding his beers. We all know who is the real man pulling the trigger here. Tom Brady killed it. He cemented himself as the GOAT. We already knew he was the GOAT, but now that he's done this with a completely different team, a dumpster fire of a culture that he entered into, and a bunch of guys that, frankly, Bruce Arians said, these guys simply did not believe that they were as talented as they really were. A core like Devin White, Mike Evans, and so on and so forth. These guys have been there for many, many losing seasons and non-playoff runs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they were like, this is just not going to work. Tom Brady comes in, more or less shows up to it, a non-playoff team and just says, we're going to the Super Bowl. And they do, and they win it in dominant fashion. Nothing but respect for the GOAT here. Do you, say, do you think that we see them again next year in the Super Bowl? I don't think we see them again in the Super Bowl. I think okay. they're contention, though. New, new question. Yeah. Do we see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl ever again? Mm. You know, it's tough. Because personally, I would really like to never see that guy in the Super Bowl again. But at the same time, I don't hate Tom Brady. I know a lot of people do, and it's because he beats the crap out of their teams on a regular basis and makes it so their teams can never win the Super Bowl. Well, he does and holds it proudly. But at the same time, it's pretty tough to stop Father Point in time at the point he's at. And I know that it seems absolutely preposterous given how successful he was this last season. But eventually, Father Time just hits you like a rock. Drew Brees being a perfect example. Had a great season last year, then completely out of the blue, just stinks. Throws three interceptions in a playoff game. So next, we're going to talk a little bit about Hollywood. We just talked about the Super Bowl. Loved it. Looking forward to the next season. Next, we're going to talk a little bit about Hollywood.
So first, we are going to try, and this is going to be quite difficult. We are honestly going to try to rank the Christopher Nolan films. Like that's actually going to happen. Christopher Nolan is my favorite filmmaker. So I'm going to be a little ticked off if you part like Dunkirk at number one or something like that. We'll, 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 get, to, we'll, we'll get to Dunkirk later, but uh, let's review. We're going to go through nine movies. Now, there's two, Insomnia and The Following, which most people haven't seen. But the other nine, the more popular ones, this one's, you know, most people have seen. Uh, these include all three of the Dark Knight series, Memento, Dunkirk, previously spoken of, the Prestige, Inception, Interstellar, um, Tenet, and which one am I forgetting, Will? I think that's it. I think I think I think that's it. Yep. So that's nine movies. We're gonna go through. We're gonna go through a in a, in a kind of a different type of ranking way. I'm gonna start off by giving my number nine movie, and then Will's gonna come off again. And if you know. My number nine might be his number one, and we'll, then we'll talk about it. But this is going to be kind of a average of both of our rankings. So we'll go we'll go by pretty fast. Uh, maybe we'll we'll keep it about you know thirty seconds per movie. Um, the first one I'm going to choose, and again, one, right before we we talk about this, every single one of these movies is an eight out of ten movie. I I love every single one of these movies, and I'm going to nitpick about them just because. At a Nolan level type movie, it's okay to, to nitpick. I so, mean, we are splitting hairs. Yeah, here. it's it's very close, especially for me. F- f- the the final five. I mean, I can see number five being number one, and I I wouldn't I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. Um, number nine, I'm going to start us off. You ready for this? I'm going to start us off with Batman Begins as okay. our, our number nine. I I don't okay. think there's a a lot to ride home about this movie. Okay, it's a great start to the trilogy. Okay. I just it's it's for me it's the one that everyone forgets about of the of the Dark Knight trilogy and I think that's fair. I think it's yeah. it's just not it's not as powerful as the second and third one. I actually think that's a wonderful pick. That's probably exactly where I put it. Put it. I mean, I love Batman Begins. I've watched that movie many times, probably 10 times at this point. And it is by far the best Batman origin story, no question. But at the same time, you do have to realize that it does come across as a bit comic booky compared to his previous and to a lot of his other films. Whereas The Dark Knight is a masterpiece because it is not a cop. It's it's not a comic book film. It's a cop, no. cops and robbers. It's a mob film. Same with Dark Knight Rises. That one's a bit more of a disaster type film. Right. So, so what's your number eight? Well, number eight. I am probably probably going to have to go with Tenet. Okay. Okay. It, the, it, the new one. The new one. Just didn't strike a chord with me. You know, and I've watched it twice now. One, one I freely admit, I still don't get it. And I've watched videos explaining this this movie to me. Here's the thing. I think he tries, he gets a little too big for his britches here. I think some of the stuff is just way too preposterous. It makes zero sense as far as the time loops go. And it just gets a little too much. And it's already massively convoluted when we're talking time travel. 
and it gets massively theoretical and stuff that frankly is completely impossible even if you have the technology. So, so, so I, I honestly think that's a that's a great take. I'd probably put it a little higher, but I agree. I think coming out of the first seeing of that movie, mm-hmm. I was like blown away. I was like, oh, this is a top five Nolan movie already. And then the second time I watched it, I I liked it. And again, this is an like eight out of ten movie for me. But I, 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 I started to understand it more, and I honestly think that hurt hurt like the, the 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 magic of the movie i think yeah. i think the whole movie is to to make your brain go through this complicated mess and that's no it's like an experience movie and then once you start to figure it out and then you're like oh okay it's just more of kind of an average movie to the to you know compared to like the the blockbusters of inception and interstellar so i agree that's a good take number yeah. seven number seven i'm gonna go with dunkirk um, completely agree. Dunkirk, I've I've only seen Dunkirk once, so I, I really do need to watch this again. Dunkirk is a beautiful movie with how it looks. I think mm-hmm. it's one of Nolan's most visually stimulating movies, which normally is a huge deal for me. I, I love the that you know the cinematography of movies, but besides that, I I really it's one of the most boring war films of the last two decades for me and 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 maybe i've just seen way too many of war films but movies like hacksaw ridge in 1917 that have come out in the last couple years around the time of dunkirk i just uh, there's so much more memorable memorable to me than dunkirk and i think the thing that kills this movie the most is there's almost no dialogue which maybe that's a personal preference of mine but i want to i want to hear some you know some conversations Absolutely. And and one of the things that really builds a fantastic war film experience is incredible acting, incredible writing, and incredible dialogue because that builds that emotional aspect to it. I mean, I, I want to be crying at the end of a war film. Exactly. I, I want to like go, this, this character is fantastic. And I want to see him survive this horrible, horrible experience. And I didn't feel that with pretty much anybody in Dunkirk, except for maybe Tom Hardy. Maybe? Yes. I'll say Tom Hardy's character was the best in that movie. But I don't know. To me, I'm not even sure. I personally would put Dunkirk at an 8 out of 10. It's probably closer to a 7 out of 10. Maybe, depending on who you are, maybe even as low as a six out of ten. I mean, it's 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 a pretty weak war movie. I I, I think we're so critical of it because we're such war snobs. Oh when it yeah. Comes to movies. So, oh yeah. I mean, we're comparing sure this to. I mean, when you're talking to Christopher Nolan, you're automatically going, "Okay, who's the best of the best in the war genre?" And you're starting to think, "Okay, Saving Private Ryan." And Fury and Hacksaw Ridge. And, Fury. Okay, and that's a we different were, take, but okay. We were soldiers <laughs> and so on, and the Patriot and so on and so forth. The best of the best because Christopher Nolan almost always presents the best of the best. But at the right. same time, great, great movie still. And All right, Will. What's your number six? My number six. Man, I think I'm probably going to have to go with Memento here. Ugh. Okay, that's fine. Explain. There's a couple reasons for this. One, it's completely backwards. 
which that's the that's the point. And I know <laughs> that's the point, and I know that's the mystique of it. But it gets to the point. It's like, dude, just just tell me this. Tell this to me straight. It would be just as great of a movie if we watched it completely forwards. And it, I don't know. I don't necessarily think it adds as much to the movie as maybe he was going for that early in his career. But there, that isn't to say that Christopher Nolan doesn't do some awesome things as far as intrigue and mystery and time warps. And we'll get into that later in this later in this list. But at the same time, Memento is a great movie. It, I love it. It's great his introduction acting. to Hollywood. Yeah. He he. T- I've never seen, I mean, Tenet comes close, but I, I love, I mean, this is his first, you know, really dealing with time, first attempt at dealing with time, and it is one of the most unique ways to tell a story, and I, I think that's really what made him, you know, stand apart compared to all the other movies, and, and, you know, after this, he suddenly starts getting bigger budgets. I mean, you'll watch, if you watch this compared to, like, Inception, you're like, oh, these, you know, Inception's way better. The only reason I say they're about, the, you know, the same quality of movie. I mean, you got to give some forgiveness because he's just starting out in Hollywood. Absolutely. He doesn't have a lot of money. So Absolutely. it's got to be more of a simpler story. But the way he tells it is, is so intelligent. So I, I love it. I, 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 I was a little... I, I wish it was a little higher to put it, put, put it up, but I, I put it at number five. We're at number six. I, I'm okay with that ranking. Our, my number five, I guess, now that you have made a memento at six, <laughs> is I'm going to do The Dark Knight Rises. Okay. I don't have a lot to say about this one. We can we can move on a little quicker on this guy, but um, great movie, great acting, great soundtrack. Um, interesting ending to the trilogy, and a lot, of, a lot of different types of takes on if, you know, Batman is alive or not. I, I love the the scene where he climbs out. You know, why do we fall, sir? Because to learn to you know pick us ba- back up. I mean, that that is an incredible line. Um, but yeah, besides that, it's just a solid movie. Eight out of ten again. Yeah. You, you know, and I think it's a it's just a you know if this was if this was a quarterback's performance, we put it at three hundred yards and not five hundred yards and not one hundred yards. I mean, it's just a solid a solid movie all around. Great! I love the references to Tale of Two Cities. That's yeah. my favorite novel, and I love the fact that they are giving giving some Sydney Carton kind of vibes to good old Dark Knight. And I'm loving the I I love the scenes in the prison. I loved the struggles for survival on the ropes, and I loved the feeling of intense despair that you have about halfway through that movie and you're thinking there is no hope. Bane is taking over Gotham and no matter what they do, it's going to blow up the entire freaking city, blow up the, blow up the bridges. You got no snowballs chance in hell. And that's, that's why Batman is so good and such a good trilogy is Mm -hmm. because the villains are more powerful than he is. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's, he's the underdog. Absolutely. Every single time. And, and, and we always root for an underdog. So that's why, he, that's why it is the, the best movie, or superhero trilogy ever. Oh, no question. Yeah. No question. And, you know, I, I, I mean, if we're talking strictly trilogy, you probably have to put The Godfather higher. But at the same time, I think it's an incredible trilogy. And certainly, 
the best of the superhero genre. Right. All right, what's your number four? Number this is, four. This is getting tough now. Man. I'm going to put Inception. Okay. But I, I'm fine with that. I, I, I have Inception at three, but I do believe it's a tad bit overrated. Why do you say that? Well, I think at the time, I didn't. Th- I don't think we knew the level of depth that Christopher Nolan was going to achieve as far as time warping goes, and 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 Inception, and in the full realization of that would be with the movie Tenet. But Inception, I would argue, has a superior plot, superior acting, and superior superior directing overall. Than Tenet does, and I think that I think it's an incredible movie, and I think that it's it's probably in top ten movies ever. Yeah, the, the movies that we're getting into now, ever the last four are all in my top twenty rankings. I have a top fifty list. Maybe I'll post that somewhere uh, on the podcast, and you guys can critique me. But these last four movies are all in my top twenty. That's how much I love Nolan. Um, Inception's like. I think like 16 or something like that. Um, yeah, I, 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 most people have Inception as their number one movie. I would, what, what would you say? The average, if the average ranking, would you, would they have Inception or The Dark Knight at number one? Well, as a strictly Christopher Nolan movie, I mean, the best movie. It's that, his signature movie. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's his, it's his signature movie. It defines his career. It, it, it really, you know, all his movies are kind of all in, in this type of movie. This, this, is, this is what he's all about, this kind of movie. Uh, DiCaprio is fantastic. The soundtrack's great. Was this Hans Zimmer does this? Hans Zimmer does this. Yeah, session, and right? Ken yeah. Watanabe was incredible. Tom right. Hardy was incredible. Had some killer life, lifelong top, top 100 movie quotes in there. Oh, yeah. You must think bigger, darling, to name one. Yeah. Marion Cotillard was incredible as his wife. And then you also just have this incredible scope to the film, multi-layered. I love the dynamics of this. And it's this nice mix between The Matrix and some moments where you're just like, I have no idea what's going on, and I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. I mean, I get it more now that I've read many dissertations on what's actually going on in the movie. But that initial mystique of watching it going, you know what? I don't really understand this, and that's okay. Yeah. is the, a wonderful realization. The, I remember the first time I watched this movie. It was one of my favorite movie experiences ever. I just, I think this is one of the movies that got me into film, and I am happy for it. Okay, let's go number three. I'm, I'm a little shocked you haven't already named my personal favorite, which I'm, 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 I'm happy with. But number three is The Prestige for me. Same. Oh, my goodness. Woo! This is such a good movie, and it's a simple story. And that's why, and that's what, you know, when you throw Christopher Nolan, you think epics, like epic time, like Tenet. Oh my gosh, like that is like the world's gonna end, and you gotta go through time and do all this stuff, and it's so intelligent. This is just a simple story about two magicians, and it absolutely blows your mind at the very end. I mean, the ending is so good. It, it, it really is what makes this movie. It's one of the best, I'd say, top five movie endings of all time. It's beautifully shot. The scene with the lanterns is, oh. it is gorgeous. Um, I, I love it. It's very underrated, too. You know, if you're not a film person, you might not have seen The Prestige. And, that is, and, and that's, a, that's a shame. It really is. It really is. And, and I love the casting for this. Oh, this yeah. is 
This, in my humble opinion, is Hugh Jackman's best performance as an actor. And in my humble opinion, inversely, maybe Christian Bale's top three best performance. I would, I would humbly say that he is the best actor of our generation because just of his massive versatility. But that's another, that's that, a topic for that's, that's I have not heard that, but I would like to hear your, hear more about that in the future because I, I might agree with you. Keep going. Well, one of the crazier things about Christian Bale is it's not just his acting versatility. He literally went in a span of, a, of about a year, he went from being skinny as a rail <laughs> to literally a year later being doing Batman Begins and looking like freaking Batman. Absolutely jacked. And then he goes to advice and plays Dick Cheney and is a fat man. Oh yeah, it's a it's a fantastic segue. And then you've got and then you got a hostels where he acts like a complete asshole. I mean, he is just so multifaceted equilibrium. He plays a guy that's a lot more of the lines of John Wick than he, anything else. He can play just about anything. Yeah. And he's won Oscars and he's been nominated for Oscars as a result. All right, let's uh let's finish up. What's what's number two? Number two. Dun, dun, you still thinking about it, <laughs> man? What's your number two? I'm, I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break code here. Okay. Um, this is this is hard because these both these movies are in my top five. Yep. All time, and and I want I want to put Interstellar at one. That's what I want to do, but I'm I'm going to put it at two. Because I know The Dark Knight is the best movie of the Nolan movies, even though I'm not a superhero guy. But I, I know that's the correct answer. Right. But Interstellar is is my, like, movie child. I Ugh. It is, and it gets hated on so much. It's because everybody goes to that book's, you know, gets up to the book, uh, you know, what is that, book, bookcase scene there at the end. And, and they go, you know what? I don't understand this. I'm out. And I think that's why a lot of people hate on Christopher Nolan. They just don't understand it. So they say this movie's bad. But really, if, if, you, if you, you understand what he's trying to say and what his, you know, this is not, you know, it's, it's an epic movie. But it's really just about the relationship between a dad and a daughter. This is McConaughey's best movie. I don't think it's even a question. Um... The scene where McConaughey goes back to his ship after losing time in that, right. in that wave planet. Right. Which is one of the most intense Nolan scenes ever. And oh. it's very underrated when he's in the, in the wave planet. But when he comes back and he sees all the time he's missed and he's crying, I mean, you're not human if you don't feel emotion in that scene. And the soundtrack to this movie is... On a different level. It, ha it has to be a top three for me. I mean, it's Hans Zimmer again, right? I mean, he's just, he's the GOAT. <laughs> that was the best soundtrack I've ever heard. Not even close. Start to finish, I've probably listened to that soundtrack five or six times at this point, And it is well worth every single second. Okay, I'm glad we agree. I thought, I, I, I thought for... Because I know you, I thought you were not going to have Interstellar decide, but no, uh, I, I'm great, so man. I'm so happy that we have it at two. Yeah, but, the cinematography by oh, Ho yeah, Ho Hoyt von Hoytema is unbelievable. The production design by Nathan Crowley, 
unbelievable. Matthew McConaughey delivers an all-timer performance, father-daughter relationship at an all-time high. I, I thought it was the perfect mix in my mind between the, the oh, almost over-the-top hyperbolic twists and turns of a Christopher Nolan film and mixed that with this incredible plot and, and cinematography and acting and directing. Emotions. And and emotions. And I love that you bring up that scene. I don't, I mean, you're literally not even a human if you don't cry during that scene. That's my favorite Nolan scene. Because I think one of the interesting dynamics of humanity is that we're always thinking we need to be chasing more money and more success and more fame, when in reality, the most valuable resource is time. It is the most valuable resource. Time to see your family. Time to work on some new project. Time to go out of your way to say hi to that girl. I mean, you never know how little time you're actually going to have. So I thought that was a really cool dynamic, and it's a masterpiece as far as Christopher Nolan goes. It is a masterpiece. Anything about The Dark Knight, number one? Do you agree? Do you have any critiques? I mean, I don't think we need to talk about it because everybody has seen it. Everybody loves it. It is the best superhero movie of all time. I don't see how you can put anything else above it. It has the best acting of all time. I... Any, anything else? Any, I don't. Here's, the real debate. <laughs> Here's the real debate about The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is not whether... It's not the debate of whether or not this is the best Christopher Nolan film. Everybody and their mother knows this movie and is familiar that it is the best Christopher Nolan, Nolan film. The real debate with this movie is, is it the greatest movie of all time? It's number two on my list, so it's close. I, I, I would definitely say it's the best of the last two decades. I think it's probably the signature movie of the last two decades, too. Oh, yeah. So. I, I personally put it at my favorite movie of modern history. Last two decades. Love how you bring that up. I personally would probably go with The Godfather Part 2 as my number one movie of all time. Okay. But it's, I mean, we are splitting hairs and they are totally different films. Totally different They're films. They're completely different. <laughs> it's not really an apples to apples comparison in my book. But at the same time, The Dark Knight, let's talk about The Dark Knight. There's a few things I want to point out. One, it, Joker has been talked ad nauseum. And I think part of the reason that people love it so much is not just because it wasn't the, you know, it was definitely the greatest acting performance of all time. That's not up for debate. The real debate is, has there been a little bit of, a little added focus on it just because of the circumstances? And I would say, yes, that's probably true. But at the same time, it's still the greatest acting performance of all time. And I think that Christian Bale, this is a real debate, was Christian Bale's performance as Batman just as good in that movie as the Joker for Heath Ledger? And I would argue... Yes. I disagree, but uh, keep going. I think there are so many wonderful scenes for the Batman in this. And it's the perfect villain for the perfect flawed anti-hero in the Batman. That, that's true. And, that, and that's what makes, again, that's what makes this superhero, I mean, this a superhero movie. 
is on my top five movies. Number two, and 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 if you know me, I'm not a, I'm not a superhero guy, and it's because Batman is flawed, and that and that and that is the most important thing about a story. Your hero needs to be flawed, and your villain. You need to you need to believe that your your villain like knows what he's doing, and that could win, because most superhero movies, there's no doubt in your mind that the hero's going to win or not, or the hero's going to lose. I mean, the Joker technically wins at the end of this movie. I mean, that's, as, as it's, an, it's an arguable debate, but he gets what he wants. And I think that's what makes it so unbelievable at the end. Oh. I think it's the first movie that ever, superhero movie that ever really does this. I know, End, I know Infinity War or whatever does it later in a much more epic proportion. And, and, and I love Infinity War. I, I will say that's... that's that's an incredible movie too, but but this is this is the first one that really attempts at giving giving the villain a chance. And one of the crazier things about the Joker that I think is such an underrated aspect of the Joker is that you like the Joker. Oh, I know. He's the one of the most sick, uh, inhuman villains of of movie history, and everybody loves him. Everybody wants to be the Joker. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it is, is in a very sick, twisted, real-life example. It's reminiscent of how people felt about Ted Bundy in the 1970s. People thinking he was handsome, thinking he was charismatic during his court trials. People th- thought the same thing about Jesse James in the 1800s. It, it, it is just a sad fact of human nature that we do find the macabre incredibly interesting and have a morbid curiosity in it. And when it comes to morbid, it, you you really struggle to find a villain more evil than the Joker. And the Joker is a psychopath, but at the same time, he is hilarious. And there's times you're talking to him, and it's like, I would love to grab a beer with this guy. <laughs> okay, I don't know about that, but... But then you go, <laughs> you know what? He'd probably kill me at the end and carve out my face, so that's not worth it. But, you know, pro... Pros and cons, it's not going to go in your favor. But yeah, it's a great movie. Love that we got to talk about this today. And we will discuss more about Christopher Nolan and also about movies in general. I think this just needs to be the Hollywood podcast. We spent like over like three-fourths of the time on the movies, but I'm cool with, I'm cool with uh, our conversation, especially on the offseason of football. Oh, man. Just y'all wait until we get to the regular season of football. That's when it gets really intense. We might be fighting each other at one point in this podcast, especially considering this guy has no, no beef one way or the other. Talk to y'all later. Absolutely. This right. was Hollywood, Hail Marys in Hollywood. We're super excited about this podcast. We hope you loved it. If you did not love it, please tell us why, and we'll, we'd be happy to work on it. And we look forward to hearing from you. Peace, guys.